0: Iowa Everywhere. Sage Rosenfels. Brent Bloom.
1: Heard and Heard viewed, and viewed and exclusively and across the world. world only. only on Iowa, Iowa Everywhere. Everywhere.
2: and we welcome you to the tuesday october 18th edition of the rose and bloom podcast on the iowa everywhere podcast network of course as always brought to you by our friends at circa sports iowa i am brent bloom back back at it i did i missed the ricky williams interview sage rosenfels but uh you're where are you today my friend
1: i'm in austin texas uh came down here for a couple of things this weekend of course iowa state Uh, played at UT really good ball game. We'll get to that in a second. And, uh, just by happenstance, same weekend, uh, Austin city limits music festival, same weekend. So Friday night, uh, went to that, uh, went to the Iowa state game, 11 AM, came home, took a shower, took a nap for about an hour, put on my shoes, went back to ACL on Saturday and then Sunday had a little brunch and then hit ACL more in the evening. Chili peppers were, were my, uh, sort of favorite. Well, Chili Peppers, Billy Strings, um, you know, were some of my favorites uh, of the weekend. Not big into the the Chicks, what used to be the Dixie Chicks. They were Friday Night Headliner. Pink uh, was nice Saturday Night Headliner. Okay. Um, and uh, the Austin State Limits Festival is simply incredible. 250,000 people in Zilker Park. It's just this giant, uh, a green space and i think there's seven stages i'm not sure how many bands there are probably near a hundred bands over the course of three days so really an action-packed weekend uh which left me extremely tired on monday
2: is is flea
1: of the red hot chili pepper still getting naked on stage he didn't get naked, but he—I think he had his shirt off. It was Flea's <laughs> birthday, so they he's, they, they sang him happy birthday, yeah, sure. and, and that so was sort of the deal. It's amazing those guys. I don't know how old they are. I'm forty-four years old. He's they sixty. Be, they're sixty. Flea came uh, for the. Um, uh, you know what, what's it called when they they come out at they go they, they leave at the end and they come back at the encore. The encore, so yeah, yeah, really, yeah. He really comes out for the encore, uh, handstand, walking across the stage back to his bass guitar. I mean, at 60 years old, uh, he was wailing out there. So th- th- that was a great show. That was really fun uh to be at my brother saw the chili peppers at like woodstock 99 or well,
2: i saw a documentary or, on it. it was incredible yeah,
1: yeah i think my brother was at one of those i'm not sure if it was that one or the one in like 95 or or whatever four or yeah something. so I, i'm not sure which i think it was 94 my brother went to and i think on that one they came out uh completely naked with giant uh um like light bulbs over their heads or Fair something enough. like that yeah so or, or maybe well, maybe maybe they had like a sock over their private parts or something well, so well i'm glad i'm glad flea kept his pants on for yeah, you so he, that's he, that's great he, he did uh what didn't keep my pants on was <laughs> the iowa state loss at yeah, the end yeah. great game um you know the, the iowa state goes up seven nothing has a chance to go up 14 nothing. Hunter throws an interception uh, on a, on a he just didn't see a guy coming from the other side and and I don't know if he stared down his receiver a little bit too long. But looks like he had Hutchinson on the outside for sort of a, a, a sort of a double slant, double post uh, sort of combination, but uh, a really really hard fought ball game, close ball game. Defense played well. Offense did a lot of really good things. And and by the way, I think Hunter Decker's a stud. I think it's Interesting. an absolute yeah. okay. I know. Why do, you, why do you say that? Because he can make some really, really hard throws, and, and he's not always accurate, but he's pretty dang accurate. He's a really good athlete, and I love the way this kid competes. I mean, they start off that game uh, with two three-and-outs to start the game, Hunter takes three big hits in those six plays, all right? I mean, I think the first couple of plays were like were sprint outs, and maybe he had a quarterback run, uh, sprint outs to where no one was open, and then he runs. And But he is extremely tough. I love the way he plays. And he's got a, 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 a strong arm, but he's got a really, really quick release. But really, I just love the way he competes. Um, and uh, he obviously played – probably his best game as a cyclone in that, in that no win, question. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate at the end of that football game, how it turned out, he ends up quarterback running and, and trying to get all the yards he can. And of course we all started that, the obvious helmet to helmet hit. It doesn't even have to be helmet, by the way, it can be forearm. It can be shoulder pad, anything to the helmet supposedly is targeting, uh, that doesn't even get called. Um, I'm not sure how much the The replays were showing if it was a fumble or not. Obviously, they didn't overturn it. It was sort of hard to see, but uh, really unfortunate because that would have been really super sweet for the Cyclones to come down and, and get their first win. Uh, in the Big 12 this year, obviously it's been a tough year in conference. Uh, but this team's got a lot of fighting them. They've got a lot of talent, and they've got a lot to to be hopeful for the second half of the season. I said you got the number one defense in the conference. The offense is starting to click with this new quarterback, and uh, I thought the offensive line played tremendously uh, against that uh, uh, Texas defensive line. You see those Texas guys; they look like a bunch of pro ball players over there, and the way the Iowa State offensive line. Uh, kept Hunter pretty clean for most of that game. I was really impressed uh, by those two guys. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that Texas has all this money, uh, their NIL getting guys from here and there and five star and four star recruits, that game uh, came right down to the wire uh, against our Cyclones. And, you know, proud of those guys, proud of the way they competed. Uh, it just too bad it, it ended up the way it did at the end.
2: No question. So, as a quarterback, I wanted to ask you this Xavier Hutchison drops potentially a would-be you know potentially a game-winning touchdown Texas would have still had two minutes left to, pute- to go back the other way what do you do as a quarterback in that situation because I noticed and I thought it was really cool Deckers went right up to him after that drive and said hey man it's not on you like that's you know keep at it because Hutchinson's been unbelievable this year but yet has still had a
1: couple of critical drops well a couple of things one um, he sort of just popped open and for the fact that Hunter could find him of late in the play and throw a good ball. And, and I was on the field for the game. Okay. It, it was breezy. Uh, in that stadium and that ball wasn't a perfectly thrown spiral. And so it's sort of, it was sort of drifting up there. And, you know, anyone that's been in a big football stadium, it's not like playing in your backyard and sort of swirling winds. And that ball was definitely swirling. And when you're running as fast as you can and the ball is sort of moving on you, it's not just a linear straight line. There's that movement. And I think Hutchinson just sort of like lost his balance a little bit. He was sort of trying to turn to catch it. And sometimes you just drop them. You know, it's sort of the sort of the way it goes. And yeah, as a quarterback, you just keep throwing to the guy. I mean, this, he's 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 the, the best offensive player in the team. And, uh, you know, obviously they try to get him the ball a lot. He's extremely consistent. He does a lot of things really well. And you don't have another Xavier Hutchinson back there. So you just keep fighting, keep throwing to him. And and Hutchinson makes a lot of great plays for this football team. He's going to make a lot more uh, the second half of the season.
2: Well, it never surprises me, Sage, you're. The, your contact list and your cell phone. You texted me yesterday, like, hey, do you want to have Pete Tamil on? I'm like, you know Pete Thamil? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know Pete Thamil. Let's have him on. And so. Yeah. Uh, here we are how do you how do you know pete dabble let's well let's talk to pete dabble
1: yeah so so i you know a lot of times i try to like have like a good five or six days of like trying to figure out who i want to have on the podcast and and this week i i think it's because it was you know iowa state acl i just hadn't really uh uh thought about who and some and we're fine doing it ourselves but after that week of college football uh, I sort of went through my contacts and like mm, Pete is the perfect guy to have on because we're midseason. There's so many questions, of course, about what's going on in college football. But but also like what's the future of college football? What's the future of of, of college athletics? And where does Iowa State and the Big 12 fit into this whole thing? So uh, really looking forward to uh, to, to, to Pete's uh, conversation. And, uh, you know, he's, I think he's going to be a great guest. Well, let's get to it. Here is Pete Dammel. Here's our guest. Pete Thamel is with us today. Pete, welcome on. Pete, longtime college football, college basketball reporter, currently working with ESPN. I'm going to go ahead and allow Pete to sort of give us his rundown. He goes back from Syracuse and on his way. What have you been doing for the last 20 some years? Pete, you graduated college in 99, but uh, give give us your story really quickly. I'm the only Syracuse graduate to work at ESPN. So there's a lot of, <laughs> like, I, I
0: feel like I have to open it up for the next generation. So uh, yeah, uh, I was the sports editor of the vaunted daily orange uh, if, for a few years there during the Donovan McNabb era in the, uh, in the late nineties at Syracuse back when you were slinging the pill for the cyclone stage and uh,
1: Donovan yep, there, and, and Rob Conrad. Let's not yes, forget about Rob, Rob Conrad. Conrad. I
0: believe yeah. Rob Conrad's getting uh, inducted into the Syracuse hall of Fame next weekend when they host Notre Dame. So there's a lot of a lot of late '90s vibes throwing through the uh, old text chains on my uh, on on my phone. Rob Conner is a very good player. He was a Parade All-American recruit back when that was a thing out of uh, out of Massachusetts. He was one of the bigger recruits that they've had up there, and he's the last player to wear number 44, the vaunted number that uh, Jim Brown and uh, and many many others wore uh, to a lot of acclaim. Also, you know, in other sports too, Derek Coleman worked. So, And there was a really good bar on campus called 44s That's um, correct. that was eventually named Conrad's for a brief period of time. So that may be that may be Rob Conrad's biggest legacy at Syracuse. Well, like, and, and one of the six year six, stretch where everybody could get blacked out at a bar named after him. So.
1: a couple of things, a couple of great accomplishments by Rob Conrad. He and I were teammates with the Dolphins. That's not an accomplishment, uh, but he blocked for Ricky Williams and Ricky ran for about 1850. Uh, in 2002 we had Ricky Williams on the podcast last week uh if you if you want to know and have an interesting conversation go back and listen to that one uh sort of uh not your classic sports podcast um but Rob fell out of a boat he, he was a big fisherman yes. and he fell yes. out of a boat I mean, about five years ago probably yeah. uh he was off the coast of Fort Lauderdale fell out of his boat nine miles offshore oh my goodness yeah. and in the middle of the night he was night fishing and it was like slowly trolling east and a wave came or something, and he fell out and his boat just kept going. I think it ended up in like the Bahamas or something. He swam west to the shore. He traveled a total of 27 miles. Seriously? 27 and- miles, yeah. The, the, but the, the currents naturally sort of brought him in, I think. But yeah, he swam uh, overnight. I'm not sure how many hours it was. Uh, ended up on, I don't know, you know, 15 miles north of where he fell out, but a total of 27 miles. And I actually had breakfast with him about two years later, probably right before the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we talked about all sorts of things. He's like a financial advisor. He's been very, very successful, yeah. really, really smart guy. When he was playing football, he couldn't wait to be done with football and to get into the world of finance and investing. Uh, he would talk about it all the time. And um, I think he was much happier. In college football than pro football. Hmm, uh, great guy because he got to be more of a running back. In pro football, it was like, hey, you're going to be a, a wrecking ball. He didn't, yeah. he didn't really like being a wrecking ball. It was not his cup of tea. It was Dave Wanstead, fullback on linebacker. Let's go. And like his body just sort of fell apart. So anyway, you covered Don McNabb, Rob Conrad, yeah. Yeah. uh Jim Bayheim at Syracuse. Yeah, he's still there. He's still, still there and, it, and he so still has kids
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, still, kids are out now. they're out,
1: we're finally out okay <laughs> when
0: i was the beat writer the they were born he got remarried when i was in school and when i was a beat when i was the beat writer the uh maybe it's a little after that the uh the the, the twins were uh the, the twin boys were uh were, were born and uh I know were they twin boys there's two close boys. enough there were yeah. yeah. some twins there was a girl involved anyway <laughs> they were very small and now they've uh, now they've cycled through so yes uh, Syracuse is one of those places like a lot of college towns that's sometimes like frozen in time like you go back 20 years later and it's like there's fagan's pub there's jim beheim on the sideline uh, <laughs> He
1: looks the know, same it's
0: like Yes, there's seven feet of snow on the sidewalk and we're walking around like rats in a maze.
1: And there's a bunch of eager journalism students who, because there is a history at Syracuse, probably the number one sort of sports journalism school uh, in America.
0: It would w- certainly would fancy say? itself as that. There are certainly other very good schools. I'm not gonna uh, be an obnoxious Syracuse grad and just disregard the other fine institutions like yeah, Missouri and Northwestern. Yeah, Northwestern's
1: yeah. into it. I know Rich Eisen yes. would probably say Michigan, but uh, we, we know it's not. Yes. Michigan yes. can't beat the best at everything, yeah. you know. So Syracuse and then and then you work for Oh, sorry, the, so I worked
0: at the local paper, the Syracuse Post Standard. Um, I left in oh two. I was a basketball beat writer there. And then I went on a little odyssey through the Midwest, started freelancing, got hired by ESPN in 2003 to cover college basketball. Six weeks later, the New York Times hired me to cover national college football and basketball. I left. uh, It was ESPN magazine at the time. So I left, went to the New York Times, spent basically 10 years there. My nickname at ESPN until they hired me back 20 years later was Six Week Pete. Because of my because uh, of my quick stint there. So yeah, so this is my 19th year, I think, as a national college football basketball uh, reporter. Uh, been totally blessed, seen a lot of things, you know, seen things come, go, come back again. I think I've been to every power five campus, but Washington State. Um, so it's uh, it's been a, a privilege to be able to see America this way uh, as, as Sage can tell you, I love what I do. I love diving in the weeds. I love the you know the action, the um, you know just it's the, the thing about college football that makes it great is that it's just every day is total and complete chaos. And it was like that before the transfer portal. It was like that before NIL. It is just this beautiful mess. Eight months a year, and then four months a year, it's just like spec. Like Saturday was spectacular. For people who don't like college football, I challenge oh, you to yes. like sit on the couch on Saturday and watch all those games with all those ending it, it was just a i'm standing on the sideline in knoxville with the tcu game up on my phone in, <laughs> in the hand and you know like literally like in timeout. incredible
2: yeah. yeah
0: and you, you can go on and on i just uh beating my son this morning on the couch i just watched the syracuse nc state game because it happened to be on the acc network and that was a pretty good football game but, but the final end, but like it's just like there's just this boundless, endless entertainment. And I think the thing that uh, Sage can probably relate to more than anything as he travels around uh, doing that NFL stuff is like college football is a window into America, right? I'm going to be in Eugene on Saturday. I was in Knoxville last week. I was in – we were in Boone for the show. Um, you're in Miami. You're in Columbus. You're in Austin. You're also in Ames and in Stillwater. and just it just it's just constantly you roll out of the airport and just a completely different part of the world completely different culture um you know obviously very different academic institutions uh you know from stanford to fill fill in the the low bar blank that i don't want to end up on someone's blog because i used it as the low bar Uh, but there's you know there's just this this just wide swap and and for me doing it as long as i have i think that's one of the things that keeps it. That totally interesting is just every year is different now it could you know people say oh it's the same three teams but it's it's real and that's if you're a very casual fan At sure. the end, but from the big picture and then you throw college basketball in and you've got Murray State and you've got Gonzaga and you've got like all it's like a window into a totally yeah. different like a Providence College Butler. And, yes but exactly like so it's just uh, it's it's complete chaos every day in a way that's really energized and, like there's no cliche about jobs like you know you never have the same day like 200 i mean my days like i haven't even ever been close so to being the same so uh, is, is
1: that just, is that why long. you stayed uh in college sports and not moved up to the nfl yeah. or to professional yeah. sports Is just the the wide variety the 120 you know major college football teams and just the and, and the nfl is just a just a different business and you enjoy the collegiate experience, enjoy the, yeah. uh, you know, the the, the eighteen to twenty two year olds in the small towns versus the New York Giants versus the Los Angeles Rams. Is, is that why you stayed in college football, college sports? Yes,
0: I I enjoy the the ascent, the who's next, the evaluation and development of that's a fun age range, right? It's a fun age range to be around. You're on a campus. These guys, like you, every week you drop in, and these guys are right in the prime of of what they're doing. Look at like Hendon Hooker at Tennessee last week. You you go through it all, and I yeah, I'm the son of a high school principal, so I've always sort of like there was college always had like a little different allure to, to me because I think growing up through an educational prism, and it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a blast to uh, you know to just to, to see like I, I can we we could go through it all day but like i met russell wilson when he transferred to wisconsin mm-hmm. i knew andrew spent a day with andrew luck on campus at stanford um and i'm I'm not saying this to like like name drop or anything but it's been i what i enjoy is like watching film with tim tebow in the florida football offices one tuesday night before they played georgia like just seeing getting to know these guys and getting a little peek behind before they become guys but there's also guys who don't become guys too who are just yeah. great college players and i think the nfl establishment views that as a uh, you know oh he was never no he was a great player at the level where he was it just didn't translate and th- those are for a variety of reasons but i i always get a little irked when like people take away someone's collegiate greatness because it doesn't translate to what's really almost a different sport at this point what they're doing in the nfl now, now some of that's come back because of scheme changes and everything so to answer your question, I don't watch much NFL. Now part of it is because I work or travel on Sundays and I live in Boston, as you can see from my Red Sox hat here. So I certainly like follow the Patriots, right? Like my mom watches the Patriots every Sunday. So I, you know, I'd like, you know, like to see Bailey's app go win a game, but like you, it just, it just the passion is completely different, different yeah. and the chaos is completely different. And, you know, in college, it's just, I think it's much more interesting it's much more layered, but it's really, much more buried. And I think that's the coolest part for me is that it's, you know, one week you're writing about, uh, UTEP, right. And then the next week, uh, you're writing about an HBCU. And then Mm. the next week you're writing about Michigan. Like it just, it's just all completely, completely different. At a certain point, I had some opportunities to cover the NFL, but it was like, I've done this for 10 years. I'm not going to go like restart in a you know more competitive environment, but those frankly, it,
1: those it, relationships and and trying to get uh, the, the coaches to give the inside scoop, which they don't want to do. But in college, they've been feeding you it for ten years, and you've built up all those. I'm sure it's it would be much harder to start over at this point, and and you're sort of at the top or or near the top of of the college football world. And uh, I, I imagine sir sort of staying in, you're great at what you do, and then to go change it and sort of throw all that away w- would be would be changed. By the way, we, we, we didn't do what we normally do. We start off this podcast usually of, how the heck do you know Sage Rosenfels? Because I, I, I'm the one bringing on the guests here. And so how, how did we meet Mr. Thamel?
0: Uh Sage, we met uh, through the quarterback collective camp, which I was covering oh. while I worked for Yahoo Sports. And uh, we met in Southern California. And uh, yeah, soon after Sage and I met, we went to dinner and uh, it's, been a, it's been a long, blossoming friendship. Uh,
1: See, can, I, can I tell you a quick story of when we met, by the way? So so we do this quarterback collective camp. It's in like the Valley in, in California, Westlake High School. And the night before we're going to have this like sort of coaches meeting. And uh, my man, Richmond is sort of in charge of this thing. It's, it's his little little uh a little little business he's a coaches agent and and we have this very unproductive coaches meeting for about 45 minutes as we sit there and listen to richmond just ramble about anything and uh it was it was pete and i and like maybe two other coaches and mike mcdaniel at the time was just like i don't even know what his job was uh in in 2017 and then it's like the the meeting ends at nine o'clock i've just flown in we haven't had anything to eat we go to a yard house or something like that and grab dinner and Solid and choice. Like it, I was probably complaining about something. I'm sure Pete remembers what I was complaining about. But uh anyway, we we had like this nine nine to ten o'clock dinner, and, and you know the next day, of course, cover that QB collective situation, which was interesting because you go back to those years now, oh, yeah. and it was like Bryce Young, Caleb Williams, Justin uh, Fields. Justin Fields. That was the you know mm-hmm. first time I, I met him. Uh, DJ. I'm not going to be, you would go lay Yeah. Yeah. DJ U So, so DJ's it-
0: dad was there too. Who's one of the bigger humans I've ever
1: seen. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And, and when I just saw, giant human. I was at the uh, uh, Iowa State Texas game this weekend, and after the field, uh, or after the game, was on the field and, and random Malik Murphy, who was, a, oh, yeah. He's probably the third string quarterback at Texas right now. Yeah. But at the time, he was like 14 and he was 6'6, 230. I'm like, yeah. they don't make them like they used to make them. I mean, this is, yeah. I thought the kid was a senior in high school and he was like a ninth grader.
0: Yeah,
1: he's a, kid, he's a great kid, too. Great kid, great kid. Yeah. So, so if Quinn Ewers decides to go, get paid more money to go somewhere else, they have another. Well, they got Arch coming though. <laughs> yeah, and they got poor, Arch poor Malik. too. Yeah. yeah. So that that's a, that's a whole other. That's an interesting situation. University of Texas quarterbacking because mm-hmm. Malik's a sort of a four or five star kid. Uh, you got Archie uh, or Arch coming in, and then of course Quinn Ewers is one of the top recruits over the last couple years. Um, where do you see college football going let's just talk about college football sure. during the football yeah. season where do you see it going i mean there, there's the five conferences the sec's building this giant conference the big 10 seems to be wanting to build a sort of a giant conference the pac 12 the big 12 and the acc seem to be the other three of like what what do you think is going to happen uh, in the next five to ten years
0: it's a great question. So, I think the one distinct shift we've seen, Sage, is that there's a power two right now. The finances have dictated that the Big Ten and the SEC have and will be pulled away for a significant period of time from the other uh, handful of sports. And then you have three leagues that are scrambling to catch up and one, the ACC has this very long television deal that gave them the, you know, their ESPN contract, their cable channel, which I just watched this morning, the old ACC network, um, and it is, uh, it was a very good deal at the time that right. has become outdated quickly, and that has become a bit of an anchor for the ACC. So then you have the Big 12 and the Pac-12, who are both on the cusp of deals in the next couple of years, and they're almost like dueling for the same smaller pool of money, and so those three leagues, where the Big Twelve and the Pac-12 end up, will be a little bit of a uh, bellwether for where those leagues can go. Um, there's a prevailing thought um, that I don't necessarily know if I uh, if I hold, but there's a prevailing thought that like if one league jumps ahead of another financially distinctly, that they may be able to cannibalize the other one.
2: Well Pete with that said is there it's kind of like the the football season started and realignment stopped but it clearly hasn't stopped so yeah. there there's got to be stuff happening specifically with the Big 12 and the Pac-12 sure. behind the scenes which were uh hopefully as as a Big 12 guy that the Big 12 will actually turn out turn out in front of that that race
0: well, I think if, if you're, you know, there's obviously a lot of Iowa Iowa State fans and Iowa people listening to this podcast, yeah. and the fate of Big 12, you know, really reverberates through every corner of your state. It's a big economic engine. It's a value to have the Big 12 planted in, in Ames where it is. And, and right now, if you listen to Brett Yormark, the commissioner's comments, he kind of went on a media blitz and a barnstorming tour in New York. He has been very intentional, and he has been very strategic about pushing that conference forward. Brett Yormark is a little bit like a character from Billions. I don't know if you guys watch. Oh this yeah, Showtime. Oh, yeah. He's like a no-nonsense hedge fund guy in this world of like full officials and kind of like you know old guard muckety mucks. Uh, and again, Bob Bulsman is a very good commissioner. I, I don't think he his name should be besmirched at all. But at the end of the day, like. You know, you need a new car and you get a new car and all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's some new fancy toys here. And the Big 12, I think, is discovering some new features. You know, it, it went from like a, a steady old Wagoneer to a Tesla right now. And I think there's just some some things that can be maximized. And he's doing he is being as aggressive as humanly possible. It's, it's interesting doing this as long as I have now to uh, see some of these new commissioners come in and how they act, because there's sort of this like understood decorum. It's almost like the unwritten rules in baseball or whatever. And it it has been delightful to see Brett Yormark just like completely blow through all the stop signs and say exactly what's on his mind. And I, I do think he has been as aggressive as possible um, you know getting ESPN and Fox to agree to open up that deal there's been progress from what he said through various media reports I really think that, that there's that there should be a sign of optimism for where the Big 12 is going he has given the league an adrenaline jolt uh, the league itself has really helped itself the two teams leaving have totally tanked like the worst in a generation right you have Kansas balling like Mangino's back on the sideline you got Lance Lightfold. Is this unbelievable innovator? That offense, Sage. I'm sure you could talk about. It's been a blast to watch. Like Kansas football is fun. Like that is like one of the great magic acts of all time, right? Crazy. And so uh, it's been, you know, it's been a blast. League for the year. Oklahoma State's very good. TCU is in the thick of the national title race. I think right. we can say that with some safety yep. right now. Uh, and maybe more importantly, with Oklahoma Texas gone, you need a you need like in that region, in that Southwest region, you need a thumper right and it was baylor last year and now tcu has emerged as that number this year i think baylor's very good they lost a couple close games but boy like in the state in that footprint the big 12 needs to be robust like it's great. The kansas point. state is doing great that helps but the big 12 needs to be great in texas and that this tcu run and the way they played and they are fun to watch uh Quinton Johnston, I think, will be one of the first three receivers picked in the draft. He hasn't been super productive this year. Have you seen him at all stage?
1: I have not, but I know there's a monster. Max Dugan is from Council Bluffs, Iowa. Oh,
0: okay. Uh okay. Uh, well, we are an we, Iowa podcast. So that's, yeah, yeah. So I just want
1: to wanna <laughs> add that. It always comes back to Iowa. Do, do you see the Big 12 trying to expand uh, with the, the, the two Arizona schools? I mean, as you know, a lot of Midwesterners go to Arizona or Naples in the wintertime, right? And, and Arizona just seems to be this natural. I mean, I get a direct flight uh, from Omaha to, to, to Phoenix. Uh, Arizona and Arizona State... Colorado, uh, Utah, more than the you know true Pac-12 schools of Oregon and Washington and, and Stanford. Do you feel like I or, or the Big Twelve can snag some of those schools away from the Pac-12 and sort of the Pac-12 then falls apart at that point, or h- how do you see it playing out?
0: I guess the two things I say there, Sage, would be follow the money, right? Yeah. Like, they're not, they're not going to go because of direct flights. They're not going to go because of an academic consortium. Yeah. They're going to go because there's more money, right? We're, not,
1: we're an academic fit, therefore. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> the other thing to follow, which I think is important, is – and this is changing. It's literally changing every, one Thursday at a time, um, although recent Thursdays haven't helped uh, with the way the NFL games have unfolded. But the – you know, w- where do you feel like your schools will get the best exposure, um, now look, LA was the heartbeat of the Pac-12, and that heart got transplanted. So if you are an Arizona, and you are a Colorado, and you are a Utah, which has BYU as a natural rivalry, you have to sit back institutionally and say, okay, without Southern California, where does it value us to be more? Does it value us to, to be in Texas more? And does it value? Or we do we value the the Mountain Time Zone and then this Midwestern footprint, or do we value the West Coast? That's like not a decision that the ad and the football coach make that's like the president with the board and admissions and you know if these games do go on amazon prime they will not get the rating they would get on linear television right they just are not going to and i'm not a tv expert and there's consultants that can break those numbers but that's pretty simple there's plenty of people that stream streaming is the future i'm not some like guy standing on his lawn waving at the cloud but they're still like, yeah. Call my parents to try to explain to them how to work YouTube TV, and you can see some of the ratings just aren't going to be there, right? Yeah. So it's I, I do think like those are all variables. These decisions, like I do, kind of chuckle when people are like, hey, they'll just go grab a few schools. <laughs> hey, Come on in, Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like it's a keg party. And you buy a ticket. Like it's it's a little bit more. It's a little bit more complex than that. I, I will say this, like. Having covered a lot of realignment in 20 years, um, an expiring grant of rights is the number one signifier that allows free access, essentially. And the Pac-12 has an expiring grant of rights right now. Yeah. And grants of rights are tricky because they, they they bond you to. They can work, and the ACC has seen this a little bit too. They can work both as something that unifies the league, but it can also be something that divides the league because they sometimes they feel they don't feel bonded; they feel handcuffed. Yeah. And so there's a there's an interesting like if the Pac-10 as they are now, and maybe they add San Diego State and Boise or Fresno or whatever. If they if they grow and they go into a new TV deal, they have to sign some sort of grant of rights because they don't want to get left at the doorstep. And that that's going to be a trickier step for that league because they have two schools that um, have more market value than anyone in the Big Twelve. The thing that has the Big Twelve so unified right now. Is that we could have a half an hour podcast on what's the best football program in the Big Twelve? Exactly. Well, is it TCU? Is it Oklahoma State? Is it Kansas State? Like, like there's arguments. Well, they have good facilities, but there is no clear cut. Oklahoma State historically would be that, but they have a poor market, and you know, like it's not like this heartbeat place. So the fact that none of the Big Twelve schools transcend the other they are so noticeably different than the other in a weird way they've been bonded in their like upper middle class cul-de-sac they're all sort of on the same street some might have like an extra bedroom or a pool in the back but for the (laughs) most part everyone's in the same neighborhood and that has kept the big 12 together
1: do you think you know a a school like iowa state and a school like oklahoma state you know, there there aren't they're not big TV markets, right? And a lot of times in the past, like the Big Ten Network, it was like, oh, get Rutgers, get Maryland. TV markets, it's not TV markets as much as it used to be, right? It's clicks. It's, but I mean, Iowa State, we we get sixty thousand people at all of our our games, All right. Yeah. As as we all know, UCLA gets twenty thousand people, and some of these other Pac twelve schools. Aren't getting sixty thousand. We also have a bustling basketball program that's regularly in the top, you know, twenty twenty-five uh, in the country with great fan support. I think, from an Iowa State perspective, and I'm sure Kansas State fans would say the same thing. Oklahoma State fans say, this, say the same thing. Is yes, we don't have a huge market, but we have massive fan support and passion for our teams and. How much does that carry weight as far as the future? When you talk about the two mega conferences, I mean, it, does the Big Ten care that Iowa State gets sixty thousand? Uh, does the Big Ten care that Kansas has a you know regularly national contending basketball team and now a good football program? Um, do is there a chance that some of these Big Twelve more Big Twelve schools going to be taken away by either the SEC? Or the Big Ten, like where does Iowa State and Kansas and Kansas State, some of the old big six schools, mm-hmm. where do they fit into this thing? Because they do have very strong athletic programs with great fan support. Sure. They just don't have the the television sets and the yeah. number of people living in those states.
0: Yes. So one of the eternal truisms of realignment is that basketball doesn't matter. It just in a, in a are you going to switch leagues? Are you going to change the financial paradigm of a TV contract? it matters but it doesn't really matter like it doesn't matter in a sense that like the big 10 is not going to take kansas for basketball right that's just mm-hmm. not going to happen like it's just that that is just that has been proven time and again there was a time when there were a bunch of schools that were thinking about going to the big east um when the big 12 was on the on the brink and there's the big Twelve's on the brink a couple times i give them credit they've always figured out a way to way to get back where like there was talk about like kansas going to the mountain west like and like that was, but like it's just football drives the bus, it drives the trailer behind the bus, and it drives like the little tennis ball bouncing on the back of the trailer. Like <laughs> it drives every possible vehicle. Now that just there's an old thing like I, I, this is a funny story. So I remember like during some realignment time, I was uh, I was on the, Rick Patino was the coach at Louisville. And I said to him at one point in conversation, because he was in disbelief at a basketball school and being a basketball guy that football can drive the bus that well. And I was like, Rick, I was like, the Belk Bowl did better ratings last year than Carolina Duke, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, that was, you know, in October, or whatever, at Big East media day, like three weeks later, <laughs> he, he's on the podium. Be like, well, the Belk Bowl did a better job <laughs> than better rating. Carolina Duke. The world's changed. <laughs> and I always laugh at that because like, there was like 10 years ago, there was this like, Oh boy, regular season basketball doesn't rate. And postseason basketball rates fantastically, but that's all run through the NCAA and sure. spit out to all the tiny little America Easts and everybody. Now, the, the big boys get a cut of that. And it, it, it college basketball, as a, from a financial perspective, if you're running it the way the Big 12's doing it right now, it does matter. And it certainly matters on campuses, right? You get a campus like Iowa State that gets a full gym on a Tuesday, and you get you know Like it, it matters in that sense. But from a big picture billion dollar revenue driver standpoint, basketball is just a small a small tick. Um, there was an old thing about like the ACC contract. Now basketball matters in ACC probably more than anywhere else, right? Um, where it's only like fifteen percent of the ACC's contract is actually basketball. So. Um, and that's it. Just like it, those are like important things to remember as you go. So, what happens to to Kansas? What happens to Iowa State? What happens to Kansas State? I think they're on the same street for a while together. That that would be that would be my guess. Um, the the passion matters, and the full stadium matters. The market matters a lot less than it used to. Like I think if the Big Ten could do it over, they might have taken a longer look at a Kansas over a Rutgers. But at the time, Rutgers offered TV sets, and they offered that ninety five corridor and. There was the old world domination thought where you get Rutgers, Maryland, then you pick up Virginia, North Carolina, and then you have the whole East Coast to to pair with that. Now, that has gotten uh, that is that is that has not manifested itself yet. But that was always the uh, that was always sort of the the Jim Delaney pipe dream.
1: Since you always have uh, the, the behind-the-scenes information, have you heard anything about the Big Ten or the SEC looking to, like as the SEC, do they want to add Clemson uh, or Florida State? Are you hearing anything from either the Big Ten or the SEC about possible other teams that they may snag away from either the Big 12, the ACC, or the Pac-12?
0: So The ACC right now is a little bit tied to the grant of rights like I spoke to before they are they are bonded together. And for BC, Syracuse, and Georgia Tech, the ACC deal is great. They couldn't go do better. Uh, for Clemson, for, for Florida State, and for Miami, they have a lot more market value. So there's been conversations and we've reported that um, unequal revenue sharing may become a reality to try to keep that happy. But the the grant of rights has certainly the, the legalities and how handcuffed you are to the grant of rights has been explored um, in in a pretty deep way in in the ACC and there's been no movement which tells you um, which tells you what they uh, what they f- figured out they can do.
1: How many more years is is left on that ACC contract?
0: Uh, I believe it is through twenty thirty six.
1: Oh wow. They sent like a 20-year deal or something. Yes. yes. Got you.
0: Um, 2036, yeah. Went
1: for the guarantee. I did that in my NFL career. Uh, I got offered a four-year deal, and I was like, oh, they're going to give me a couple million dollars. I'll sign that four-year deal. I I should have signed a two- or three-year deal, become a free agent, and got that. So they they sort of stuck in in a long-term deal. And do you think there's like almost no way out of that until 2036? I mean, that's a long time.
0: The grant of rights sort of indicates that.
1: Um, Got gotcha. you. So, so like, a, a, like out, a Clemson, a Clemson would have to like pay back
0: hundred million dollars million. or yeah. something. So this is a good little time to do like realignment one hundred one. Grant of rights. What is it? It's a it's a, a contract you have to sign, you know, in order to have the television deal. A grant of rights means you are actually granting mm-hmm. your rights. So. NC State, to use just a hypothetical example, because I was just watching them this morning on ACC Network, when they signed that television deal, they said, okay, we are going to give the rights to all of our games, to the ACC, to ESPN for that time. So from that, like those rights have already been granted. So legally, you would have to get them back and you would have to pay it. It's hundreds of millions like, to unwind and you're not even guaranteed to have your rights after you unwind. So um, it would be – I'm not saying no one will do it, but, boy, like in a, for a public school to, you know, hand-to-hand combat for a couple hundred million is – that would
1: be unpleasant so lot. basically okay. basically like nc state is britney spears and the acc is britney Spears' dad and she can't and, and <laughs> <NC State>. wow <laughs> i mean that's pretty much where we're at at this point <laughs>
2: feel free and you feel free to use that one on your next sports yeah, center hit. This is, yeah. mix of, this is a mix
1: of sports <laughs> and pop culture here well yeah. let's let, let let's let's move on from uh the realignment uh talk talking about college football this year right now uh, the top five, seven schools. Uh, where do you see this thing slowly play, playing out? Obviously, the Alabama loss uh, is huge. Josh Heupel at Tennessee, unbelievable job. By the way, 2001 draft class, Josh Heupel, um, I think I get a little bit more exercise than Josh, but that's fine. <laughs> he's he's watching film and coaching guys. Who's making um, more money right now, buddy? Every other Friday, he can sneer you, at you. <laughs> you. You don't know how my investments are doing. <laughs> yeah, <right>? Fair, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, how how do you see this? You know, last what? There's there's we're about almost half about halfway through the college yeah, football season. Uh, uh, how do you see the next uh, you know six seven weeks playing out until we get the the, the college uh, the conference championship games? Well, I think Ohio State is the best team right now. And when when you go from there,
0: it's 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 interesting. Uh, Clemson, I, I, I'd be curious, what do you think of DJ's development? Have you watched him much this year,
1: Sage? I've watched him a little bit. Uh, going back to that QB Collective uh, camp, you know, he was such a big guy. Uh, I mean, he was 245 pounds or something like that. And, and when he was a junior in high school and he had a huge arm, he threw a ball like 80 yards or something at our yeah. camp. It was a little windy, but still... But he didn't throw a great ball, and it didn't spin a lot. And watching him throw uh, the last, you know, couple of years, it's like he's not really a natural thrower. And there's something about being a natural thrower that helps with accuracy and and timing, and just consistently, you know, throwing the ball where it needs to be. And I think that's where he has struggled. That ball sort of comes out. And sometimes it dives a little bit. Just doesn't spin it, but it does look like he has improved. Uh, On that Uh, his, his, his motions a little bit different, but the ball is definitely spinning better. Um, He's just such an athlete and and such a a rare mix of uh, the ability to be that big and be able to throw. There's just only so many people. So I haven't seen him that much, but I I have seen enough where I've seen that improvement from his freshman year where he came in behind Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be the next thing. And then he wasn't the next thing right off the bat yeah. and and he didn't take college football by storm right you do see that improvement I mean he's what he's 20 years old now yeah. maybe maybe 21 mm-hmm. um and I, I, he's one of those guys that just has an incredible ceiling and you know sort of so I mean you, you would probably watch him you know closer than I do
0: yeah so again I don't have the same quarterback acumen in terms of being able to break down motions and and, and such I as a kid because he's a delightful kid um who you, you've gotten to know a little bit. Um, I'm just happy that he sort of endured struggle. There's there's a lot of incentive to run in college football today, right? Like actually like leave. Oh, I can go back. I can transfer home. I can go here. There's opportunity there. There's plenty of places to go. And he put his head down and he got a lot of criticism. He he did not play well in his sophomore year. And it has been a non-linear experience that I think the adversity has shaped him. And I feel like he's come out on the other side and really really played well this year. I'm not saying he's like this polished prospect who's going to soar on, but he lost a bunch of weight. They've used him in the run game more. And he has positioned Clemson. They were one of the worst offenses in college football last year. They're kind of middle of the pack ish, getting a little better. His individual numbers are much improved in, in every category. And I just, I'm happy for him that he has been able to, to match some of his natural ability and learn and grow and not run.
1: Do you see them as the team that's going to come out of the ACC? Uh, when this all shakes down the final eight by the way is it we're not they're not four, four. we're yeah, four this year still four yeah but then it goes to what tw- what 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 does the future look like I'm, I'm I, 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 this is not my my forte we will actually I learn about
0: that some this week sage. uh it's timely timely question good <laughs> <for you about laughs> oh, good work sage yeah. good work i was, yes. I was doing yes. my yes. research right. yeah i could tell you're right on the pulse here <laughs> yeah. um, but not knowing how many teams are going to play this is why we have but, you I on <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i have this deep deep knowledge knowing how many teams <laughs> play for the championship uh, so right now the coach <laughs> is a four-team exercise all right that is a 12-year contract um the powers that be have agreed in the future to make this a 12-team exercise starting in 2025. The years 11 and 12 of this contract, which are, I guess that would be 24 and 25, so it'll be starting 26. Sorry, so 24 and 25, they call year 11 and year 12 of this initial college football playoff contract are right now in flux. Commissioners are meeting and having conference calls and talking about, okay, can we expand this thing to 12 early? the general sense I get is yes, that will happen. It will definitely happen in 25. It will probably happen in 24. Definitely is a strong word, but like, it's more likely to happen in 25 than in 24. And those answers should come to us. If not by the end of this week, then probably by mid November, I would say. Um, There's a lot of like full dates and logistics and all boring stuff that is getting in the way but you know what's the great motivator in college athletics money good old-fashioned hard cash and yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of good old-fashioned hard cash at the end of this so the old academic calendars and hotel room blocks tend to sort themselves out when there's a big old pot of money at the uh, i i the right I, I do
1: appreciate when these uh these schools switch conferences that in their, uh, press release, it's, you know, our, the, the new conference fits our both academic and athletic endeavors. And, uh, we all know it is, it's, it's simply, uh, about the cash 100%. So
2: speaking of cash, Nebraska's apparently has a lot of cash because they have now, you know, paid out Scott Frost among, among others. And so the hot topic in, in Iowa, one is the Iowa offense not being able to score, but two is—I've
0: heard about that.
2: Yeah, two is the you know Matt Campbell and the ongoing you know is he is he going to stay at Iowa State? Are, are there other opportunities? But yet, interestingly now, Iowa State's 0-4 in the Big 12 have been competitive, clearly, and have been close to winning a lot of these games, just like we talked about. The rest of the Big 12 is just nuts right now. But has the quote-unquote luster worn off Matt Campbell nationally, where he's maybe not at the top of the list for jobs like Nebraska that he may have been even four weeks ago? Not saying he would even entertain the thought, but because he stayed at Iowa State, now the second-longest tenured coach in the Big 12. But what's the Matt Campbell reputation nationally now?
0: So I attempt to college football, I think, is maybe the most prisoner of the moment sport. In mm-hmm. Like it is just one that you just everything radically changes. It's like Tennessee hasn't won in 15 years. Tennessee's going to play. <laughs> you know, like it's, and that sort of irrational emotion is a, uh, is a huge driver. So uh, I'm looking at the, uh, at the uh, Iowa state year by year. All right. Um, and I see Matt Campbell, 8-5, 8-5, 7-6, 9-3, 7-6. All right? I am looking for the previous 7-6, and six, and that was 2009. Um, I'm looking for the previous 8-win season, and that is Dan McCarney's mighty 2000 team, which I believe the quarterback was.
2: <laughs> this guy. Yeah. So
0: I just would say, like, Matt Campbell going cold, would be great to like scream on television, but the reality is he's kept a cold place pretty hot. He has what you would call in coaching parlance defied gravity. He has taken a place. We can look this all up right now, actually. Yeah, so the, the Paul
1: Rhodes era was pretty thin uh, the last three or four years. Yeah. Um, and you know, by the way, uh, even though they're 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 three and four right now, they're on four in the Big Twelve. They've lost these these four games by all uh, a score. Um, what's interesting about Iowa State right now is that their defense is number one, the Big 12 conference huh. and their offense is last in the Big 12 conference. And you just don't see that very often. A lot of times if a team is last yeah. in the conference, you think they simply have worse players than everybody else. But their defense is number one. So which means like, well, it's not just like Texas has all the players and Oklahoma has all the players. Iowa State has players on both sides of the football so they do have a, a massive strength and the strength really in my opinion since matt's been at iowa state has been that defense i mean john haycox defensive coordinator yeah, they, they the sort of start yeah. they started that 3-3-5 scheme but like they stopped the run extremely well within that and normally and it was sort of invented to stop the spread
2: because mm-hmm. everyone's
1: in shotgun and trying to throw the ball around an rpo and now they got an extra guy out there so naturally you think hey we can run the football versus these guys but Teams don't run it very well versus Iowa State, and they've done a incredible job, good job defensively, but their offense uh, has has really struggled. And, and their offense has been good, uh, has had some good years, but they've had some really good players. I mean, David Montgomery, Chicago Bears running back, Brees Hall, of course, now with the Jets, playing great with the Jets, uh, by the way. And Brock Purdy made the San Francisco 49ers uh, 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 team. So, I mean, obviously, they've had some talent on offense, but as of right now, that is their Achilles heel do people in iowa
0: think brock purdy or sage is the best quarterback in iowa state history
1: oh i'm sorry sage purdy purdy's got you he just does listen uh 2000 my senior year i threw for 10 touchdowns
2: and you you and sage how many interceptions how many interceptions probably 10 and yeah. I, maybe it'd be
1: 11 I, and I, I I ran for 10 touchdowns because we'd run quarterback draw at the five yard line and I could just like lean over and and score <laughs> we run some option but yeah I mean that was back in the day where everything was under center at least about 80 percent of the offense was it was handoff to this running back handoff to that running back little bootleg it was actually much more what you consider pro style in a lot of ways than what you're seeing you know now yeah. so yeah I threw for 52 percent Meanwhile, Brock Purdy was like, 300-yard game, 300-yard game, 280, 350. I mean, the stats they would put yeah. up uh, that he put up were, were were simply incredible. And I said, I think it was his sophomore year, I'm like, Brock Purdy's going to go down as the best quarterback in Iowa State history. And and at least for the for the near future, uh, he definitely uh, has that title.
0: So
2: on
1: that I'm going to give he, you my
0: stat real yeah. quick on Matt Campbell here, because I just spent a lot of yeah. time looking yes. it up, and I'm bad yes. at math. So Matt Campbell's won 54% of his games as the Iowa State head coach. Iowa State's program has won generally, where is the Sierra just had it, 45% of its games. So yep. he has basically like out-achieved the historical mean by 10%, which is fairly significant. And if you look at the recent seasons, his amount of winning seasons are more than they had in the previous 20 years. So like, or, or the, the level he's won at could not could only be duplicated if you had a dynamic five yard rusher named <laughs> Sage Rosenfeld who could take that who could take that quarterback draw and dive over the goal line with a he didn't have a touchdown to inter- interception ratio he had an interception to touchdown ratio That's right so it's you try to recapture that magic and I think Matt Campbell has been able to uh, been able to do that it's but not what I'm saying it's not how many it's not how many touchdowns this year that would be like preposterous that would be like not hiring the best financial portfolio manager right um because like his one bad season his one bad financial year in the last eight was during a recession
1: yeah do you think that uh as a coach whether it's matt campbell or guy at kansas do you think that this realignment situation has an effect on like well I don't want to be in the third conference. I'd like to be in that first two conferences. Are you seeing that from some of these coaches that are in either the big 12 or the Pac 12 or the ACC going, you know, I'm not seeing a big future in this conference. I'd like to be uh, in, in either the big 10 or the SCC Are you seeing that?
0: I don't know how much coaches are considering that, but they should uh-huh. like, Get to the right side of the moat where you're where you're getting double the revenue. Like that's just going to make things easier. Now the the counter to that is, you know, let's just say Rutgers getting seventy million a year is going to give them Penn State expectations. Right? Probably not a high, but like so everybody has a ton of money. Yeah. But the separation is is real. So if you want to do everything you can, I I would think that 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 gets you know. That should factor. If you are a coach looking holistically at a place where you can go for 10 years, finances should absolutely be part of the equation. It's just, it's hard to fight, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in disparity financially over a 10-year period.
2: The interesting thing is that we've seen with Nebraska and, you know, Missouri to an extent in the SEC is in those big conferences, somebody still has to lose the games. And so I think, you know, I guess from from a Big 12 standpoint, I think there's a lot of optimism, even though the revenue will be less than the big the Big 10 and the SEC. But because it's been so even, as long as the Big 12 has a seat at the table and there's a chance to make a playoff, then de facto there is a chance to win a national championship, perhaps. And you can still be competitive, even if even if the finances aren't there.
0: Absolutely. The the argument for Colorado and Arizona State has been changed the other way by reopening. So you're telling me I could go here and the fifth sixth job in the pack ten now and I don't have to beat USC. I don't mm-hmm. have to beat Oregon and Washington. Oh, that's not bad, right? Like and we're gonna get a bid. Like whoever whoever wins this pillow fight gets a bid. Okay. Like let's you know, that that will certainly weigh in too. But I just think longevity, if sure. you really want to build it and compete for a national title. You're going to need those more resources. Because what's going to happen is you're going to get hot at Arizona State, and Nebraska is going to double your linebacker coach's salary, and you're not going to be able to afford to keep them. Like you're just going to end up in a in a hamster wheel at some point.
1: But but wouldn't you think? Let's say you know it ends up being the twelve teams in the playoffs and. You know, three of those teams are from the SEC and and four of those teams are from the Big 10 and, and the Big 12 might get two and the Pac-12 might get one or two or however it sort of breaks down, you know, sort of funnels on. You got to imagine the 12 teams, SEC and the Big 10 will have more than ACC, Big 12, Pac-12. But to go into the SEC and to try to get through that conference seems to be a lot harder than going into the Big 12 and to try to get through that conference.
0: Well, do you want to finish fifth in the SEC and get a bid or fourth in the SEC and get a bid? Or do you want to finish first in one of the other leagues? That's the the, the math you have to game out.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, well, I know Pete's got to run, Sage, so we do have to – I've got. A, I, I do have a couple of questions. It's not even football related. It's, it's just it's Boston related. And okay. we need to ask him about the Ames
2: water too, because he says he's yeah. been to every Power Five school except Washington State, which means he has he has tasted the sweet water of Ames and so Iowa City to a lesser water extent.
0: Is the best bit we had on on my old podcast at Yahoo, which is still going, and it's a great podcast, uh, uh, the Yahoo College Sports podcast with uh, what's well, now called the College Football Inquirer with um, so Dan Wetzel on Pat Forty. Dan Wetzel is hilarious. Like he's legitimately really funny. And there was this like spoof song about Ames. Uh, <laughs> it was like a move to Ames from the. And you have to play this when you when you read. Oh, we read, we, uh, we will. Yeah. Yes. I, it I've is, seen that. It, it I've is seen like. It. Key your pants funny And so when i was that off season when they were like hot and I was talking about two years ago we would just play it over and over again and then people started like driving to ames just to sample the water and like taking pictures and putting it on twitter um when iowa state played ohio to open the year one of the ohio assistants sent me a, a text <laughs> of like the water you know like the marriott table and like the the team room where had empty dinner and he was like the sweet, sweet Ames water, and I was like, "Oh <laughs> gosh, <laughs> this is a this is a thing." He said, "I wish, I wish the result of the game was as sweet as this Ames tap." <laughs> so anyway, they, I have no idea if the water at Ames is any good. I was there so long ago. Uh, that I, I, had not been, uh, I had not been told by the uh, docile tones of that <laughs> uh, City of Ames song about how good it was, but we've gotten a lot of mileage out of that joke. I do Love know it. in the Iowa State football offices uh, where that podcast was listened to that there was uh, there was quite an appreciation for our, our, our consistent odes to Ames water. But then they actually had some water tests. It became controversial. <laughs> yeah, back. I remember that's a couple it, years ago. It's really yeah. been like a thing. Like, it's really gone through, you know. It's kind of like the quintessential American rise and fall, scandal, <laughs> comeback. And the Ames Water has really been a, driven really an enduring character in, yeah. uh, in in college football for a long period of time. But all jokes aside, I have a ton of respect for Ames. I have a ton of respect for Iowa State. That's like I said earlier. What makes the sport great is the spirit of a place like that. Spirit of you know basketball, football. Like what a what a great little heartbeat and when they when they can rise up and swing with the big boys it was it was really cool to see them finally kind of beat iowa this year that's kind of what makes the sport fun is like the you know the water cooler stuff and the split families and uh just that that sort of raw raw passion all all distilled in some sweet (laughs) aims
2: last thing for me pete and then what's the impression nationally on iowa because kirk ferentz has been there forever they're clearly last in offense. It's kind of a, a running joke now, even you know, just on Twitter and from some of the national college football people of the the ineptitude of the Iowa offense. What's the impression of of what they've done? They still won 10 games last year, though. So you can't say they haven't been successful, but yet here you are, and it's been a struggle to even get to 10 points.
1: I mean, they're not yeah. they're not last in the Big Ten. They're last in the country. The whole whole country yeah. right now yeah. in offense. Yeah
0: so i would imagine there's going to be some changes there right like because you can't continue to you can't continue to do that um i would just this is what i would say from you know 20 years of doing this like be careful what you wish for if you want kirk Ferentz to go there because that guy has outkicked his coverage right like that guy has the sum has been greater than the parts many many years there they have a very distinct identity a very distinct style don't underestimate how much high school coaches trust Kirk Ferentz mm. to send their players there to develop and get better. The NFL really values Kirk Ferentz, not just Bill Belichick, but a lot of places they play on Saturdays like they play on Sundays. So yeah. uh, certainly they've struggled and certainly it's been hard to watch. No, Nobody is going to say that, but all of a sudden if somebody in Iowa decides that they want to make a change there, you try beating what Kirk Ferentz has done there. I, I would, I would put down a hefty bet. That the successor does not meet or match uh what what kirk has done so um it's just it's hard to you know win at iowa considering there's only so many sage rosenfels growing up in a, in a right. BW bus um, <laughs> so you know, next to next to a river somewhere so um th- there is only so much natural resources there i feel like kirk ferris has maximized it about as much as you can now Will, are there going to be changes? Yes. Will there be adjustments? Should they probably have shaken up that quarterback room a little bit? Um, you know, this, this past offseason, that that obviously in hindsight seems like it's something that
1: should have been done. But. Well, they're, they're in a really sticky situation because Kirk's son, Brian is the yes. offensive coordinator and, sure. you know, uh, literally the definition of nepotism in, in, in football, whether it's the NFL or college football uh, is simply incredible. So that turns it into an, an awkward situation because it's hard to fire your son who many thought was going to be the next head coach at iowa and um, i'm sort of thinking that part of the reason they're struggling this year is that the iowa city water simply isn't very good I, my parents live in iowa city and honestly it ain't great over there uh you know sort of, sort of <laughs> smells like a river but anyway my 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 uh my last question is this you're, you're a boston yeah. guy south mm-hmm. boston guy mm-hmm. the departed or goodwill hunting if you had to choose definitely goodwill hunting like just not even close,
0: not even close. Yeah, in it, 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 in so many ways. Uh, that final scene where they're playing Afternoon Delight as he's driving down the Mass Pike. Ooh, that's uh, that that's good. Like that, I, you know, I lived right in South Boston. I have lived here for fifteen years. Uh, Ian Rappaport uh, was a regular at the L Street Tavern when he lived in South Boston. he covered the Patriots for the Boston Herald about 10 years ago. He and his wife, Leah, lived uh, lived right down the street. And that's the, the bar where Minnie Driver tells the joke where she spits out the Guinness.
1: Oh, yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And that's where they meet him after to, to give him that orange car so he can uh, go see about a girl. Um, yeah, no, a, it's a great question, but there is a, it is a definitive answer. It may surprise you that I'm not a huge pop culture guy. Um, but there's, I like Good Will Hunting so much. I saw it, it came out my senior year in college. I saw it on a Friday night and I went back on Saturday and watched it again. I,
1: I, I watched that in college, uh, at some, at some Ames, uh, small theater as well. And one of my favorite movies of all time, um, how do you like them apples is simply incredible. It, it, and it really is a, when you're a college kid, you know, I, I feel like when you're in high school, you want to be in college. When you're in middle yeah. school, you want to be in high school. Right. Yeah. So obviously these guys were like just out of college or just out of high school, basically. Yeah. So you're sort of like uh, could really relate uh, to a young yeah. Matt Damon and and, and Ben Affleck, um, you know, before he met up with 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 j-lo and then the world changed forever uh but uh yeah i'm i'm more of a good wool hunting guy i like the departed but uh good will hunting to me is like a it's probably a top two or three movie for me sports movie before we go favorite sports movie of all time i mean you gotta like i know it's hard to make sports movies but uh for me it's hoosiers i think hoosiers is the is my favorite sports movie. do you have a favorite sports movie
0: i would say hoosier slash rudy
1: rudy okay rudy's good you like the cheesy sort of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Uh,
2: and with that, Love it. we will let Pete Tamil get back to that lovely south boston water pete if you're ever in central iowa back in iowa sage will host you for a a tap water i will as well and a bush light it's on us my friend
0: <laughs> that sounds divine that wow. sounds absolutely divine well yeah, i don't thanks think you're so gonna much for having me guys this is a lot of a lot of fun really appreciate you guys uh thinking about me and uh taking some time to uh Take a sip of
1: that sweet Ames dad. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be in Ames for this football season, but maybe our basketball team turns it around and uh, we're a top ten team, and you have to come to Ames for an Ames, Kansas showdown. I always say Kansas showdown. I'll meet you there. I'll get you a ticket. Well, you'll you'll get the you'll get the media. You get the media thing going on. You'll be right there on the floor. So. We can
0: have a few bush lights before. Maybe That's I'll just
1: right. go sit and stand. we can love. And it. I, can, and I can complain about something. All right. <laughs> thanks, Pete. Thank you, Pete, uh, for coming on. Thanks, nice, guys. Appreciate it. Iowa Everywhere.